Welcome to another episode of Real You, Real Money. I am, as always, so honoured, by the way, first of all, to have you all here listening. And I want to say a quick hello. I'm not going to remember your name and I'd need to look up, but a lady messaged me from Kenya to say that she listened. And it just blows my mind that you were all sat there. I'm going to find her name. Faith. Hi, Faith. If you listen to this episode, but I just want to say thank you for sending me your email, which I won't share the details of here, but it's just amazing, isn't it? Like, I know that the internet and all of this stuff gets a lot of bad rap for all of this stuff, but how amazing that I can be sat here in my office with some thoughts, record it, send it out there, and it's impacting people where they are. Like, that just utterly blows my mind. So completely switching the subject. I'm excited, as always, to share today's topic with you because it's something I've been noticing in my clients. And when I say my clients, particularly the clients that do the deeper work with me, and by that I mean clients who do one-to-one work, who do my program Real You, Real Money, which is opening again soon. I'll talk about that more as we go. It's something that I'm noticing. And I think it's really important to give some shape and substance to this phenomenon because you might be feeling yourself having a similar experience or perhaps it will shed light on other parts of your experience as you unravel your conditioning around money, but but around all the ways we're told we have to be, all the ways that we are taught to expect ourselves to show up in order to not just reach monetary success or business success, but success as a human. And I'm, I should be, I'm not bunny earing it for the video, but I mean, I don't mean actual success. I don't, I mean, society's version of the success that we should be aiming for. And again, that's a should that I do not agree with. So this conversation comes to you off the back of the wonderful Tammy Thomas and I. So Tammy did an episode way back in the podcast and she is coming back soon to do an episode that I'm so excited for us to do. But it came from a conversation that Tammy and I had where I said this sentence and she went, Ray, that needs to be a podcast. (laughs) And so here we are, Tammy said it, I'm doing it. So the sentence I said to Tammy, we were talking about things and I said, and that's the thing, isn't it? That struggle anchors us. And she was like, whoop write that down. And that has absolutely been my experience. Like when I say it anchors us, that's obviously not a positive thing. It's something that needs unlearning because all the time, and if if you heard that and went, oof, I see that, I see how that occurs in my life. And some of you may not yet. And hopefully as I explain, it will make more sense. But for those of you who are in a place to receive that immediately, then we know we don't want to be in a place where we're inventing struggle because it feels anchoring, because it feels real, because it feels tangible, because it makes us feel like we're doing the stuff. And for me, this, this has played out in, and I've talked quite a bit about this on here, but my own journey of healing my anxiety or is healing the right word? Let's just say healing. Healing my anxiety, learning to live alongside my anxiety, 
really kind of no longer running from it, recognizing it, looking it in the eye, all of that deeply uncomfortable stuff. And what I noticed is as I did that, I was on a journey of no longer being motivated by anxiety. And I say no longer as if it's done, but it, and it's not done. I want to be clear, like it's still there. It's still there. But what I did notice as I learned to observe that anxiety, as I learned to be, have a different relationship with it, that's probably a better way to put it. It stopped being my main motivator. It stopped being what, you know, caused me to do the work I needed to do before a launch or all sorts of other sorts of things there was actually one launch where I really struggled to do stuff because I wasn't scared and I didn't know how to do things when it wasn't coming from a place of fear anxiety or again a word Tamu has used in the past is terror that place of terror and my anxiety can feel very much like terror and I found myself not doing the things that I needed to do. And, and I often liken it with clients. I talk about some of us will have had an experience where with our bodies, where we grew up with all this chat about, about dieting. And, you know, I was just watching a TikTok actually that was using the Kate Moss phrase, which is nothing feels as good as, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Like that was baked into the 90s that phrase and I'm 40 you know I very much am a 90s kid and it was you know so much of what we learn or what the kind of you know it was heat magazine circling people's I mean I say flaws <laughs> they weren't flaws they were just like parts of skin that meet the media had deemed inappropriate you know when I had babies I was like damn babies have cellulite babies have cellulite like it's just part of skin but I grew up in a world of I think it's called the circle of shame in heat magazine where they were just pointing out these very normal very normal often flaws again bunny ears air quotes flaws on very you know straight society acceptable bodies and then a little bit of hip hanging over those jeans. Do you remember those jeans that basically showed our pubic hair because they were so low? And if someone dared have a bump on their hips over that, it was like circle of shame. When you grow up in that space, when you grow up with that message coming and coming and coming at you, often what motivates you to look after your body, and I again, I'm using that very loosely because it's not looking after your body, but what you perceive to be looking after your body things like dieting and exercise, what motivates you to do those things is hate of your body. It's terror of that internalized fat phobia that you are running from. And as you heal that, as you stop looking at bodies in that way, as you stop seeing dieting and exercise as the only way to care for your body, as you stop seeing it as a, like, that was what will get me to something that is not me. You know, that's what will get me to this version of me that I'm not, which is the more acceptable, more lovable version of me. As you heal that, and as you start to love yourself as you are, the motivation to do all of that stuff 
really dwindles. It really dwindles. You know, I used to say that when my back rolls touched, so when I was a teenager, that's when I knew I needed to go on a diet. And I used to say it was a sensory thing. I didn't like the feeling, but it isn't because my back rolls are embracing these days and <laughs> embracing one another, one roll to the other. It wasn't the actual sensory, like the sensation. It was the fear of what it meant about me. It was the fear of all of that stuff. And it would kick me into that place of self-loathing where I would go and diet. And dieting was like going to bed hungry. It was barely eating anything. And so when we are on a journey with our anxiety or any other aspect of mental health, what we can find is the thing that motivated us was that fear. And so what do we do as we learn to sit with it? My brain now knows that me feeling that level of terror, while I can very much still feel it in my body, does not mean that we are actually in an emergency situation. What it means is that I'm having a sensation. What it means is that my nervous system is dysregulated. What it means is that I have some feelings that I need to speak to and talk to. It doesn't mean everything's about to, that the sky is about to fall in. That that sensation I feel in my body, and it's often a very bodily experience for me. And again, let me just say, anxiety is so subjective. I'm very much, this is not me like, you know, diagnosing anything or telling anyone this is how anxiety is. This is my experience of it. For me, in that moment, it was so so interesting to see how much harder it was for me to motivate myself in terms of running away from impending doom, which is a lot of what it had been in the past. And for those of you that know the story of my business, that will make a lot of sense where the business came out of. It came out of a real like, we have to make this work. There was impending doom. And it was really scary. And so I ran and it's taken me quite a long time to unravel that running away feeling to ground it. So struggle in itself can be motivating. And let me be very, very clear. You might be in that place. It's nothing to shame yourself for. But but I also, what I want for you and what I absolutely believe will happen if you're going to create a sustainable business is you will outgrow that. There are places in our businesses and in our lives where it does serve us to a point, but it's not a sustainable strategy. It was fear at that level, anxiety, terror, whatever you want to call it at that level is not meant to be sustainable. It's an emergency response. An emergency in our bodies, like there is only so long we can be in that emergency response before it becomes normal. And that is no good for our nervous system at all to normalize that level of terror. And actually what will often happen is you you simply cannot sustain it a lot of the time. But I want to kind of acknowledge that there is a process out of that. And if you're having therapy, if you are doing various things to help with that, doing somatic work, so in some, some of the coaching might be helping. Although if your anxiety is very bad, I really encourage you to get therapy as well then you will find yourself, you know, feeling those shifts. And sometimes they can be really scary. 
because struggle, while it can motivate us, it also anchors us. It feels like proof that we're doing what we need to do. And I'll tell you why. I described it to my therapist and I said this on a plenty coaching call, I think. I was like, I used to describe it as like, for some reason, when things are hard, it's like I've got rails either side of me that I can hold on to. It feels somehow just like I feel more, I I say I feel, I felt more grounded when there was struggle. And this is still such a work in progress for me, but it felt like that. It felt like it gave me like something to cling to. But in reality, here is my suggestion, my offering. I think what that struggle is doing is it's just soothing our conditioning. And I say just, like, that's a big deal. The world is set up and tells us that we have to be a certain way. And it feels vulnerable, dangerous, exhausting to step out of that. And so the struggle, because let me be clear why I'm saying this, we've been taught that success and money involves hard work. So it should involve struggle, right? If we're not struggling, are we even doing it? Is it actually happening? Like if it's so easy and it's flowing, do we know that our feet are on the ground? Do we know that we're taking the steps? How could it be that way? And it can feel really discombobulating in your head to even step into that place of ease with it. It's really confusing for your brain. And a lot of that kind of like success and money come from hard work is industrial revolution conditioning. It came from that place. And there was this belief that the more work you put in, the more money you'll make. But in reality, the more work the factory workers put in, the more money the factory owner made. And sometimes, yeah, sure, some people got promoted, but there was only so many spaces, which again is part of where that conditioning of there's only so much space for you comes in. So we're all working really, really hard to prove that we're the ones working hardest so that we can get that coveted position that there's not many people for. So we're going to have to knock them out the way. But it's not true that the hard work is what creates the money because it wasn't the factory owners that were working the the same kind of like level of hard work was not happening for the factory owners as it was for those people on the ground. You know, one of the ways that I always dispel this idea that working harder equals more money is some of the hardest working people. And we can look at the UK at the moment, they're on strike, teachers, nurses, They're on strike because they're not being paid enough. These people work so hard. It does not automatically translate to money. And this is where conditioning, it's such a clear example of conditioning because we we step out of these places. We go into our businesses and we take it with us. This noise that we have heard and absorbed and kind of I was going to say we've brought into our very beings, but we haven't brought it in. It's like soil we were grown in. We didn't have a choice. It's there. 
And when we do that, we take these ideas into our business and we start to believe that, like, say I'm making 50K a year, 100K a year. Oh, I want to double that. Oh, I can't. And we subconsciously think this. I can't, I can't work double as hard as, as I am now. Like we are so, and this is capitalist conditioning, we are so transactional in our thinking. Oh, I got that money because I worked this hard. So if I want to make double it, I'll have to work double as hard. Such bullshit. It's such bullshit. You know, you look at these wealthy people prancing around on yachts and like amazing all power to them if they were paying their people well if they're paying their people well you enjoy your yacht if you got your yacht because you didn't pay people well and that's how you're there I hope you have a really bad time on your yacht pay people well enjoy enjoy your wealth but that's not what we've seen so often and that has created this idea that working hard equals money struggling equals money we should have to really try the amount of fantastic humans I know who are so bloody qualified that they know their topic inside out and so what happens is they absolutely feel like their work is too easy when they do it oh but I could just knock that up in a second that kind of course Yes, I know that's because you're so bloody qualified slash have loads of experience slash are super talented. Like you're just really good at this. That doesn't mean you should charge less. There are very few instances where I cannot coach. Coaching is so part of who I am. Like I was a coach before I knew what a coach was. There are very, I can be, and in the past I have been in situations with my mental health, not for quite a while, but with my mental health where it's been really not very good. And I was struggling to show up visibility wise, selling wise, struggling to like really see where I was going with my business. You plonk me in front of this laptop that I'm in front of now, switch on Zoom, put me in front of a human being, and I can still do some of the best coaching that I've ever done. Because number one, I have a talent for it. Number two, I have years of experience of it. Number three, I've done the work to bring in these brilliant humans. So, and coaching them is glorious and somewhat easy. And I don't mean that in a like dismissive way. I mean, because I do work hard in my messaging to attract people that I'm going to have that, that really beautiful coaching chemistry with. And those of you that are coaches will know this when you get on a call and you're like, mm, we've got that chemistry. And that's what all of my content is about, bringing it forward, those people. And I have to say, I have a very high success rate of it. So if you're listening to this and you like the episode, then don't be sat there going, oh no, what if I wouldn't have the chemistry with Ray? If you like my stuff, we would, we'd be good. Okay, so like I said, this transactional, it's got to be hard work. If it's not hard work, I can't charge as much. All of that stuff. Conditioning really means that we keep ourselves working hard to soothe that feeling, to soothe that conditioning. And this shows up in a lot of spaces, by the way. This kind of, it's not a desire. It's not that conscious. 
this just like habit that's what it is a habit of soothing our conditioning because it says you're safe you fit in you're going to be okay you're doing you're doing taking the right path you're doing it the way you were told this way you'll make less mistakes you're more likely to be successful but often we're taking action to soothe rather than action that's aligned with who we are and I've noticed something in my clients as they dig into the real unus of money making and this podcast is called real you real money sometimes people get it the wrong way around and they say oh on real money real you and I'm like mm-mm Mm-mm-mm. no it's never that way around it's real you first then real money because that's how it works there are levels of that there is unveiling unravelings of versions of you but there is not the that that it does not real money that leads to real you it's real you that leads to real money it comes first and that's so important So I've noticed something in these clients as they're doing this work. Their work begins to feel easier as they bring in more of themselves. So we will talk about like, what's your version of visibility? What's selling like to you? What products and offerings do you want to be putting out there? What feels good to you in pricing, in the ways you think about money, in your plans for your money? How are your values showing up? within your money making, within your business, as we really do like unravel and unveil who they really are, showing up in their business becomes easier. Being visible, selling, putting together their offerings becomes easier because they're trusting themselves, because they're digging into who they have always been, by the way. That's why I struggle with the phrase like, People often say, like, what's your highest self doing? And I like the phrase, what's your grounded self doing? Your highest self can feel like a version of you you're never going to get to. (laughs) Because we imagine this, you know, perfect being that doesn't do all of the absolute nonsense that we all do and that we're all going to continue to do. Your grounded self, totally different. Your grounded self is like your most calm, adult trusting version of yourself the most complete version of you now you are already the most complete version of you because the most complete version of you welcomes all those different parts not just the higher self who's super good though that that's a part of you but your grounded self knows to bring in all those parts and to allow them to really flourish and be that most full version of yourself. It's that version, by the way, that's the real you who makes the real money, the fullest version of you. It's funny to me, I always use the example, and you've all heard me say this a gazillion times, about dropping food down me. The version of me that makes the most money is the version of me that owns that part of myself, that knows that in no way, and I know it sounds like a silly example, but to me, the fact that I spill that food down myself, and I can't remember if I've told the story about the soup when I was 
living out of university. I was living with, with my housemates, Alex and Sand. And Alex had cooked us some soup. Or maybe Sandy had. And I took my bowl of soup. I put my soup on the sofa. Like on the cushion of the sofa. This is a leather sofa and that's important. You'll all thank me for saying that it was a leather sofa. I put it on the sofa. And then I climbed onto the sofa to sit down. Like I sit cross-legged to watch the telly. But obviously, if you put a liquid a bowl of liquid on a sofa cushion and then you stand near it it's gonna spill everywhere and so obviously it's spilled everywhere in the crevices of the sofa obviously it's a leather sofa so we could wipe it but my friend sand who's one of my best friends was just watching me like what the, f- what the fuck are you doing she said i watched you do it like why would you think you can step onto the sofa and I was like, I don't know. I don't, it's probably one of the most stupid things I've ever done. That me is going to make, that me is making six figures. That me is going to make more than that. That me. And it's in accepting. And I like tell that story because I still just go, what the actual, what was I doing? I don't understand. But that's probably, like I said, one of the dumbest things I've ever done. But like, that's okay like I'm going to accept my whole self and know that it's that version of me is part of the version of me that makes all the money and so yes I've noticed as my clients work through this stuff as they accept their quirks like stepping on soup and spilling it everywhere purposefully apparently as they really like not just accept those quirks, those bits that make them uniquely them, as they start to share parts of that with their audience, as they really lean into who they are, as they bring their values into their business and they show up for those values and they communicate those values through their content, through their offerings, through their products, through all of it, the work becomes easier. Because of course it does because they're not trying to hide that they spill soup all over sofas. They're not trying to hide that they forget their words. They're not trying to hide that they're scared sometimes. They're not trying to hide that they change their minds about things or that they really love showing up in one way, but not in another. They stop trying to be things to people that they are not, which takes so much more effort. And it leaves them with more energy to create the business they actually want. And not just the business they want, but the business that is going to really show up for them. The business that is the cleanest version of them communicating who they are and what they do to their best fit clients. So, yeah, of course, it all feels easier. But then do you know what happens? It butts into the conditioning I was talking about earlier, that capitalist productivity conditioning. Because we have this contrast of, oh, I really get that being me will make me more money. And I'm going to lean into that. But shit, this feels easier. And that means I won't make more money. Do you see how those two bits that we've worked through one and it's literally activating the other? And it's why, I mean, this is a gorgeous example of why my work exists. 
because we can find ourselves like, oh, I so get that. The more I trust myself, the more I show up as me, the more people are responding to this, the easier time I'm having connecting with people. But now I don't feel like I'm working hard enough. And so if the person's not doing the work involved in this, what they might start to do is add in a load more stuff. Oh, I'll add in more value to my offering. I'll do more and more and more so that they put themselves back into working hard. And so that sustainable business has just actually taken a kicking because while we've uncovered one layer, we've given ourselves another. A lot of understanding the conditioning is what we do in plenty. Like we, There's a framework called the Wheel of Conditioning. Productivity stuff is part of it. We don't have a like part that's all about finding out the real you. That comes more in Real You, Real Money, the group program, because bringing what we do is we take that conditioning and we look at how it's impacting these fuels of like how we can be ourselves, basically in our business and the fact that the, that real you is the real fuel in your business and I've split that into currently six different spaces so it looks like looking at how you sell as yourself looking at how you're visible as yourself but it also looks like looking at like where are your energy levels what levels of rest do you need what feels like pleasure and joy and creativity to you because those are all fuels to your business too Because like I said, what really runs your business, the real fuel is you, that you-ness. Not that it your business is exactly like a part of you. It's not, but it is a reflection of you. You know, it's really important that we understand, and I talk about this a lot, that we are detached from our businesses are like, they're, then they're often, if you're a service-based business, they don't feel very tangible, but they are kind of these things, they're these actual objects and ideas actually very like money they are not our worth but they are an extension of us in certain circumstances you know like my values shine through in my business my sense of humor my sense of self all of that stuff comes through but all of that interacts with our conditioning and so to be in a coaching space that helps you to untangle that is incredibly powerful, number one, necessary, number two, and important. Because I want to see your businesses thriving, but I want to see, most of all, I want to see you thriving. I want to see you really experiencing the ease that comes with showing up in your business as yourself, showing up in your money-making as yourself and the self-acceptance that that comes from, the understanding of yourself, the expansion of your self-concept. And while I say like that's, and your self-concept is your beliefs and ideas about yourself, as that expands, it's not expanding into a new place. It's expanding into the space it was always meant to be. The societal conditioning took that away from all of us. It, we were robbed of it. It's, it's decided that we need to look certain ways. We need to act certain ways. We need to be certain ways in order to make money. And it's a complete lie. So when I say you're expanding your self-concept, it's like there's a space for this self-concept 
and like there's a dip and like a there's going to be a better word for this but I can't think what it is but like there's a space for it and all we're doing is expanding it back to its original size so it matches who you actually are which is perfectly acceptable and glorious exactly as it already is and so you can move from that space so you can build and grow and create from that space if you're interested in joining real you real money and it's a group program i've currently got i've got a few people interested currently there are six spaces i may expand that if there's more people interested pop me a dm and i will put you on the wait list and make sure that you get details first first of all i will try and also have something created for k to link to in the comments so that you can just click on and be on a wait list as well but if you're interested in joining that you get group calls, you get teachings, and you get one-to-ones too, monthly one-to-ones. It's a glorious space to really get intimate with who you already are and unleash that into your business. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. Mm-hmm.